This is gonna hurt. It's time, it's time for the Suffering, for the suffering Podcast. Podcast. The paths we travel have many bends and forks in the roadway. Opportunities arise, and we can make the choice to go right or left, never knowing that if we are on the path that we're supposed to be. Often there are big neon signs on the side, telling us to take the road that everyone else has taken. But something in our stomach tells us that path is not for us. We decide to go down the road less traveled and see where it goes. The road less traveled has very little light and can be frightening. It's dark because very few have the guts to take it. For those that are willing to take this direction, there is very little leadway between failure and success. I'm Kevin Donaldson here with Mike Felace, and on this episode of The Suffering Podcast, we sit down with Damon Hayes to discuss the suffering of a movie director. Damon's taken the road that's left less traveled, but with his background, he's almost assured himself success. So, Damon, thank you so much for coming in. I appreciate it. And you've been, I was telling Mike about you, you've been this gentleman, like this honest gentleman from the first moment we met when another De Palma. Yeah, another De Palma one. Another. I'm surprised he's not from Hoboken. I'm surprised you still talk to him. <laughs> yeah, he's cool. <laughs> Before we get into anything, let's talk about our marquee sponsor. That's Toyota of Hackensack. We don't trust anybody, but we do trust Toyota of Hackensack. So if you're looking for a car, go to toyotahackensack.com. Let them find you a car. So how's your ride in, buddy? It was nice. Uh, it was a little traffic to start, but it smoothed out. So Did you come up on like 3 and 46? Uh-huh. That's a pain in the ass, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Getting in and out of it. So Damon, she just met me in my house. Like we could have drove in together. <laughs> Had to come almost right through Lindhurst. Damon came from Jersey City, and every time I got to go into Jersey City, I curse like a sailor because I just I can't take all that traffic and that congestion. Mm-hmm. That's tough, man. Yeah. Four forty. Yeah. Thank God I uh, I work remote, so I don't drive <laughs> too much. Right? Uh, you well, you just so you work remote. You you don't have to go out at all. And yeah, I only go out for like uh, groceries or to get a haircut or like something film related, which we'll get to. But yeah, <laughs> they, they don't have a barbershop in there yet. That's a nice. Segue. No, they got about cool everything though. but a barbershop. That's a nice yeah. segue in there. I just got that. Yeah. Just do movie directing <laughs> we'll <get> stuff. Later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so every week, Damon, we take a question from our audience. This question is from True Ryan Mack, and that is, "What is your mo- what is the most creative thing you've done to date?" I'm a film director. And uh, I wrote a script probably about, well, I finished it probably about like a month ago. And um, I started in October, it was my first time, and it took some real brain power. But uh, yeah, that was probably the most creative for sure. Yeah. That's It's got to be an interesting thing, writing a sh- script. Did mm-hmm. you have a background in how to write this script, or you just like, this is what I'm going to do? Right off the cuff. Yeah, right off the cuff. Mike, what do you, besides growing your hair out? What's what else creative have you done? Well, you know, I mean, I think I may defer this one because I'm not done creating yet. Mm. I really haven't created anything yet, except for my two kids. But that's not true. That's not true at all. You just haven't you just haven't put the thought in because I know for a fact that you have created. I created stuff. a lot of things in my head, <laughs> but no, I mean, like law enforcement, you got to be creative. You know, mm. you, you got to. Figure out scenarios and make up scenarios in order to figure out a scenario. If you know what I'm saying, when you're in a bureau, you got to make up a scenario and be creative about it. And yeah, you know, but I'm really not a creative that's a life person. or death situation, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. With with me, listen. There's a part of me that's always throughout my life been creative. I like to create stuff. I like to build something out of nothing. Right. Whether it's with my hands building a house, 
or a piece of art. And the funny thing about my kids is both of them got, they're equal parts of me, but they're just separate. Like my youngest is, is ultra creative, mm -hmm. loves to paint, loves to draw, loves to do projects, sculpt, whatever. And my other one's the sports guy. So there's these two things that have come together perfectly for me. But aside from this show, which was just sort of an idea. Good like, job, by the way. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> aside from this show, it's been a pursuit of creativity. You know, you go into something very idealistic, like, hey, I'm going to write this movie script. I'm going to, you know, I got this idea in my head. But then when you start learning the mechanics behind it, that's when the real creativity, because you got to work with nothing. Right. You know, and you can be told all day long that it's got to have three parts and you got to have a main character here and this person's got to enter in here. But until you get into the real minutia of what it is to create things, like the, with this show, just to give you an example, I knew nothing about podcasting. So I started reading, how do you, how do you publish a podcast? And what do you do? And how do you drive it out there? And it was just something fun and creative to do. And then it became this whole different thing. So then it doesn't stop. Like it's, how do you create video clips? How do you create social media posts? How do you create just everything out of nothing? Yeah. And how do you do that? You watch people that came before you. Right. And it was really just a whim out of boredom. It was a, it was a continuation of <laughs> our, <not> board. <laughs> it was, it was, <laughs> it was, it was a continuation of our group therapy. Mm -hmm. We were, you know, I, I was working, but we were working split shifts. I wasn't a cop. I, we were working split shifts. So I was off three days. And so I had all this time to, uh, and, and I'm not that I, idle hands are really bad for me. Cause then I start to, and idle mind is the devil's playground. <laughs> yeah. And that's, it's a bad playground when I yeah. have that. So that's a tough question, Ryan Mack. Um, for me, it's the show filmmaking, Mike, I'm telling you right now, you just haven't thought of the answer and it's not just creating your kids. <laughs> Creation takes a little bit of suffering. Yeah. Oh, I suffered. <laughs> <laughs> Keep sending your questions in. We'll try to get them on the air. So Damon, I've been reading a lot about you. Okay. There's a lot of stuff out there on you. Yeah. I don't know if you understand that or not. Google is... Uh, I was going to say, you Google his name and everything pops up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're like, whoa. So why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? <sighs> yeah. Um, you don't have to start from the womb or anything. Yeah, you I'm going to start from right now. <laughs> we'll get to the past stuff. But uh, right now I'm a real introverted, obsessive maniac when it comes to like my work. I would say that's like me in a nutshell right now. Um, Where'd you grow up? Maryland. You Maryland? Yeah, Prince George's County. And 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 you, you came up here for college, I'm assuming? Yeah. Came here to play football. Um, so, time out. Mm -hmm. You moved from beautiful Maryland to New Jersey? Yeah. What's the matter with you? You went backwards. Yeah, no, that was the uh the goal was to um play in the NFL. Mm. So he came up to the banks of the old railroad. Yeah, that was the best opportunity. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, so when you when you first started playing football, you mm. now just to let everybody in Damon played all four years at Rutgers University. Mm -hmm. But when you first started playing football, what was football was just like everybody else. They, you want to give it a shot. And but when did you develop a, a love for it? <laughs> yeah. Funny story. My father used to force me to try to watch NFL games when I was younger. I would hate it. I would get tired. They would come on late. I'd get tired. Um, but I was kind of a bad kid, like terrible class clown. And uh, my father just kind of forced me one year and I was like pretty good, played running back, and then it was fun. You know, you go to school, tell girls, hey, I play football. 
stuff like that. <laughs> they look at you a different way. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know the funny thing about football. Football is is the one sport, and it's different than baseball. It's different than hockey. It's different than basketball. With football, because you're around those kids so much, mm-hmm. that becomes a real family. Mm-hmm. And and when I know, I don't know if it was like this in Maryland, but here in New Jersey, the football team, you guys all looked out for each other. You you know, I can I can tell you every person I've ever played football with. Yeah, you're in the trenches with them. In yeah. baseball, you're not in the trenches. You know, mm-hmm. you're in the on deck circle. Yeah, <laughs> and then you get up to bat. And, you know, you in, in football, you're you're fighting against another team and fighting with each other to. You know, was that the same way down there? Um, like little league or like college? Just junior league football. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of like a bunch of middle schools scattered around, but whoever was at your school, yeah, typically you, you stuck together. For sure. And that's, that's the beauty of, of yeah. football as opposed to everything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're practicing also five, six, you know, it's a, it's a six or seven day a week thing. Yeah. With the games on the weekends and practice during the week. And films. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meetings and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Well, when you got to high school, I imagine that's when your talent really started to shine. Yeah. What did you play in high school? Where? What did you play? Oh, what did I play? Wide receiver. Um, yeah, I started off wide receiver and safety. And um, then safety, then corner. So you went right over to, you just dropped yeah. the offense. <laughs> yeah, I dropped it. You just dropped it. That's what I always yeah. said. When I played semi-pro, I played corner because I was sick of getting hit. Mm. I was a wide receiver in a corner and I'm sick of getting hit. Yeah. I realized I'm only 5'9 and I'm too slow. It was, yeah, like, yeah, it was more of a futuristic choice. Just, you know, what do I have a shot at succeeding? And then as you start to matriculate through high school, people are starting to take notice. Mm. You're starting to get some press. You're getting like eyes taller, on you. Yeah. You're getting tall. Yeah. And, for, I know you can't see it, but Damon's a tall guy. I mean, he's a big guy, and you, you and I, I just safety at your height. Yeah. I know it's a, it's ultra important. You always put the fastest kid, so I'm assuming you were lightning, right? Yeah, that's pretty fast. Yeah, yeah that's pretty fast. You don't put us. I don't pretty see fast. Too, I bet you he's under four four. I don't see any too many slow safeties <laughs> <laughs> or slow corners for that yeah, matter. I don't see any. You know, they weren't putting um, they weren't putting. Uh, uh, lineman back yeah, there yeah, anytime yeah. soon. So you never played safety. Is what you're saying? Never, <laughs> never. It's a tough. If you, if you would listen, I I can I can run uh what like a four eight twenty. There's some safeties <laughs> out there that be that be running that though. Finally, yeah. now what schools were looking at you in high school? It wasn't many. Um, top of mind: Purdue, Wake Forest, Maryland, Rutgers, Old Dominion. Boston College. Boston College. I was going to say Maryland had to be looking at you. Yeah, yeah, Maryland. They never offered yeah. that. that was a Boston yeah. College. Again, why Rutgers? Was it just the best deal? That No, yeah. Boston College was top two. I went on a visit. Loved it. Um, I just couldn't see myself going there as a student. Like, for some reason, the demographics were a little bit You got to get a feel for a place, too. Yeah. Did you, did you feel like more at home at Rutgers? Well, I went on. Um, Plus, it's closer to home. Plus, it's where the first college football play, game yeah. was played. Yeah, I wanted like an official visit, so you know they lay out the red carpet for you. So it was <laughs> announcing your name in the stadium. Yeah, and, so yeah. it was a real like experience, and then I had already kind of like knew some of the guys there, so yeah, it made sense. That's that's why you chose it. Well, the head coach yeah came from Ohio State, and um, yeah, coach Chris Ash, right? Chris Ash, Chris yeah. Ash, yeah, good guy. He um he had coached a lot of people that played my position and uh, that transitioned to the NFL. So, uh, yeah, I just looked at it as the smartest choice 
as far as like all my options. You know? Where you could get the the most visibility or the most playing time mm-hmm. is that that's no, that, just, that takes that you got to take that into account too. Like if they got a if they got a safety that's a sophomore who's a who's a stud, yeah. Why would you go there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I ain't, I'm not gonna say I was thinking about that too much. Um, it was more so like I looked at it as I can get the teachings from somebody that taught somebody that got to where I want to go. You know what I mean? That's a different. That's a very mature way of thinking about that. Yeah. This is where I'm going to get the best football Teachers, education. Because yeah, yeah. in, in reality, I mean, I think you'll you feel the same way. In reality, college, unless you're going to Ivy League, which again, people who went to Ivy League who I know, mm-hmm. the hardest part about an Ivy League school is getting in. Once you're in, it's mm-hmm. no big deal. Mm-hmm. It's just like every other college. Even Harvard's that way. Um I mean, you you played with some defensive backs that made it, though, right? Like Blisson yeah. Austin was on your team, wasn't he? Yeah, it's my close friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a character too. Yeah, he's funny. <laughs> so you come on as a freshman. Mm-hmm. What was it like the first time you ran out of that tunnel? Oh, uh, it was surreal, but it was bittersweet. So funny story. The the only time I didn't play in my college career was my freshman year first game. So it was bittersweet because <laughs> we were in Washington and. It looks amazing out there. I'm 17 years old still at the time. Um, but I knew I wasn't going to play just this, this one game. So it was, like, fun, you know, to be there first time. But, you know, you're a real competitor. You want to be out there. So that part was a little. Yeah, but you're on the sidelines of a. Of I was on the sidelines. But just that one game, though. That, that's got to suck, though. You're, you're used to being the star your yeah, whole career. Yeah. Kids, high school, all of a sudden, so, yeah. you on the sideline like this. I'll tell you a funny story. I'll tell you a funny story. Um, my father came to the game. And uh, my father lives in Texas, so I don't see him that often. I hadn't seen him probably like a couple years, but he came to Washington game. And I didn't play. So after the game, you're supposed to like, you know, say hello to your parents and stuff like that. I just get on the bus. <laughs> I'm like mad. Like I don't want to talk to nobody. People like tell me, hey, your father's outside. I want to talk to you. I just tell him he can go home. Like, I don't want to talk to him. <laughs> Whoops. My son, yeah. If my son ever does that and go, when, yeah. as he's going to a D1 school, yeah, we're going to have some words. Yeah, he was upset for sure. Yeah. But, but that that roar that crowd, unlike anything, that, and that's what I always think about with with D one uh-huh. when you're playing in those big stadiums, those storied stadiums. Yeah, and you come out of that tunnel, and all of a sudden it's twenty thousand, thirty thousand people, uh-huh. sometimes more than that. And uh-huh. I I just I don't. It, it was it ever an intimidating thing to you? I'll be honest and say my first play was really intimidating. The first play, and after that I was like, okay, it's just football. <laughs> but the first play, it was like, yeah, there's people yelling. And the TV cameras are on you. and You don't really see those as much. But it's just the people. At least, like, for me, my first game, it was like, wow, it's a lot of people watching. And I play corner, so. You're on an island. There's yeah. a lot of eyes on you, you know. So, <laughs> the first play. Yeah, so then did your father ever get a chance to see you, come out to the game and see you? <laughs> yeah, when yeah. he went down to Texas. Did yeah. he call the quiz after that? Yeah. Uh, no, no, he came back. Yeah, okay. For sure. We made up. Yeah. Did, you get off the bus? Did you get off the bus and see him this time? <laughs> well, out of your college career, what do you do? You have one or two highlights that you are most proud of throughout your college career? Highlights. I know one. What? Pick six your freshman year. Oh, <laughs> come on, man! Yeah, did right. my homework. Yeah, yeah. I almost forgot about that. Yeah, that was that was uh, insane. Yeah, I was seventeen, and it just happened to. Okay, but yeah, that's one. How how far was it? How, how long of a run was it? I think it was like 55. It was 55 and 
two tenths. Okay. That's what it was. <laughs> Fifty five, yeah. and you're running that hallway saying, "Don't catch me, motherfucker! Don't catch yeah. me! Don't catch me!" Because I was already shocked. I called it. I mean, it was just it just happened. And I was like, "Oh wow!" Like, yeah, it was, it was a fun moment. Well, yeah. you touched on something earlier, Mike. You go from this incredibly big fish in a smaller pond to a small fish yeah. in a big pond. And I know a lot of people don't transition to that very well. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, guy I played with, now I played D3. All right. The guy, a guy on my team who actually ended up getting drafted by the Raiders, he was, he was at a, a very, very big D1 school and he was that small fish in a Person. giant pond. <laughs> yeah. And he couldn't take it, so he came to a D three school, and he shined. I mean, he did; he really did. But he shouldn't have been playing in D three. Okay. I mean, this is a guy who held he he held the NCAA Division three punt record for I I think close to twenty years. I mean, that's how long ago? Twenty years ago? God damn! <laughs> God damn! But you know, that's a that's a so now you start developing this talent. You're playing all four years. Mm-hmm. It has to be in the back of your mind. I'm going to get picked up. I'm going to get picked up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. what was that like? <sighs> yeah, we're here to talk real, real authentic, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it started to get to me my senior year. It was, it was nice junior year because you know you can't even imagine like NFL scout to like I practice watching you. You kind of know they're watching you. Um, yeah, that's why I'm a big like advocate of like checking in on your mental health because that was kind of like some of the negatives in my senior year. Like just thinking about futuristic, like knowing every play there's a magnifying glass. And you want it to be like that, but you know when you've never experienced that, you don't really know too many people that experience that. And then when you just have it like in your face, like, "Hey, uh, I just talked to the scout about you. Like, he want to, you know, know this, you know, that kind of stuff." Start to wear me a little bit. Senior. So uh, you played in an era where social media was was present, mm-hmm. and did they did the team ever get on you about your social media? I wasn't really like a social media guy. I made a Twitter for football. Oh yeah, for like exposure, yeah. So oh, I yeah. never had that issue. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure you had a huddle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. But that's not really not social media. That's just highlights. Yeah, it's like currency for high school football. Yeah. Well, how how out of control did did it get? Because you got Mike and I grew up in an era where I don't know if you ever seen a movie called The Program. Did you ever see? I saw it a long time ago. A long I know time it's a classic. Ago. That's the era that we came up in, mm-hmm. and all the right moves. D D one D one would get out of control with their players. Like that was the days when NCAA, NCAA violations were rampant. Huh. Um, and then the players get these egos. They were already superstars before they're superstars. Yeah. Did you see that on the field? Did you fall into that trapping? A little bit. Yeah. yeah. How, how that- I wasn't even like a projected superstar, but I just kind of had a inclination that I would get drafted. But um, yeah, just being honest, a little bit. Just knowing that one, my spot is probably not going to get taken. Um, just knowing that, like, from a scheme, from a schematic standpoint, what I do is pretty hard to like just not pick me up. So, like, yeah, that kind of played a role for sure. But at some yeah. at some level, you have to have that ego. You have to. You have to. You have to know out. you're the best. Remember, yeah. so a friend of ours is a guy named Lee Russo. I played on the eighty, played in the eighties on the Giants, yeah. and he played in the blue and gray game. And he got on the bus in the front seat, and he sat next to this guy. And the guy turned to him and says, I am Jerry Rice. I am the greatest wide receiver the NFL has ever seen. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't even in the NFL. Yeah, I remember the story. Yeah. yeah. Oh, did you, did you listen to Lee? No, somebody huh. came and did a uh, speech at Rutgers one time and told the story. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the truth. And yeah. Lee was sitting right next to Jerry Rice mm-hmm. when that happened. And 
I don't know whether that was ego or confidence. Mm-hmm. Like, there's that fine line yeah, between. Fine line. Yeah, I think it's more ego, so, confidence, or cocky. Yeah, yeah. I think it's more so like having a whatever you want to call it, ego, whatever. Having it here and being able to like tame it to a point where it's like respectful to you know to a certain extent. Because at a certain point, you don't really need for it to be respectful too. Like, I, I would have looked at the guy like, "Who the fuck are you?" <laughs> <laughs> you know? But he's but Jerry Rice. Prove it though. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people that shoot their mouths off that are still walking the streets today that never made it. Right in the NFL. Oh yeah, yeah. What I doubt. Who Ricky Waters was it? No. Started, was it Ricky Waters who was playing? Uh, who played? He had his salary on how he did. Was that who it was? Well, I don't even remember that. Yeah, he, <laughs> he based his salary in the NFL. He's like, uh, and it was it was it was just it would have been a smart move if it would have worked out for him. But he says, you know, I'll be a performance-based player mm. where my my salary will be based on my performance. And he never really did anything. Yeah. Now he's he had, selling he weed. A couple of good years. <laughs> yeah, now he's selling no, weed. Notre Dame guy. You now he's selling weed, though. Notre Dame guy, wow, to that. Wow. Yeah, you stepped on the field with, you stepped on the field with Notre Dame a couple times. No. No, you never did? Big 10. Oh, yeah. okay. I, I, went to, I went to Notre Dame for one game. No, it was Penn State you guys play, right? Mm. Yeah, you played Penn State. Notre Dame Rutgers. <laughs> 19, like, 92 or 93 to one Rudy. It was, it was close. <laughs> it was close. Uh, Notre Dame beat him 62, nothing. It was close. So. I'm thinking it's, but funny. It, it's funny because a guy I went to high school with, his brother was the coach of, of Rutgers back then. So mm. it was a good trip. Now you, you start getting into that senior year. How close did you make? Did you make it to go into the big show? Oh no, literally on draft day, my agent texted me. It was like, today's the day. Um, yeah, I was hearing at worst, at worst, six round. Yeah, so that was pretty, and I was that, in good spirits. And how did it go? Didn't get a call it, at all. Didn't go. At mm-hmm. all. And I can laugh, I can smile, do all that stuff, I, you know. Today. I had to be gut-wrenching, though. <laughs> yeah, um, that's I'll a, say, that's a field of dreams experience where, yeah. you know, your dreams are just this close to you and then you just see them brush right by like a stranger in a crowd. Yeah, yeah. I would say that was probably number one hardest day of my life. And it was one of them days where it's like, it took a few days after for it to like settle in. Did you get any free agent stuff or anything like that? Or No. CFL, but not NFL, no. Yeah, we saw we saw the splash page for CFL, but there's nothing there's nothing there. Yeah, well, we can talk about it. Well, <laughs> not too many stats on that page. No, no. <laughs> so... Was it a what next type of situation? Like, well, I kind of, I'm sure you were hoping to go into the NFL. Mm-hmm. What happened? Like, how did how did that recovery process? How did you pick yourself up mm-hmm. from that? I don't want to even say it's defeat because you played four years at a top D one school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how did you pick yourself off, off the ground? Yeah. Well, I ended up getting to the CFL after that, but in between that time period, yeah, I was just fighting to try to get a workout in. Um, and trying to stay in shape. And I had a period where you kind of somewhat lose hope, like nothing's going to happen. And you just, you know, kind of stop doing things and um, had that period. And um, yeah, eventually just something clicked. My mom was talking to me like, Hey, like, I don't think it's over. So I just start training it again. And usually when my mind is on it, that's when I can do it. So I just got my mind back fixated on the like number one dream that I used to have. And um, the CFL, that was the next thing. But then there's like another, Life after that, that was, yeah. So what what went on with the CFL? <laughs> yeah, oh my God. So I played corner my whole career, safety, nickel. But basically when I get to the CFL, 
they put me a linebacker. <laughs> linebacker, yeah. And um, I'm just the tallest DB there, so it was by default. And um, I remember we were in camp, and it was probably like day four. What I, team? BC Lions. Yeah. So it's like day four. I text my coach. I'm like, hey, can I get a shot at my natural position? Like, can I play corner? And he was just like, it's not an option. So it's long story short, I ended up getting cut. And um, that was when life got serious. Like, I thought life was serious when yeah. I didn't get, you know, picked up. But that's when life got serious. We, um, they flew us in, like, all the way there from the airport um, when, I, when I came from Maryland to get to Canada. But I had to leave the next day at 6 a.m. on a van, like, four hours to the airport and it's like six of us in this van packed up and I'm looking outside and you're all cut all everybody cut. everybody on the van's cut so everybody's probably not the most talkative person in the world it's funny though like it's a lot of different personalities some people are like optimistic I'm like a realistic person though like the CFL you know for the fans that are done that's like your second chance at the NFL so for me I, I told myself growing up I would never be that kind of guy where I didn't know when to move on to do something else so for me, that was the point where I was like, all right, it's time to like grow up. Um, but I remember looking outside and just being like, we got to figure something out, get creative. Yeah. <laughs> did, now, when, when you were at Rutgers, did you take your schoolwork? Like, did you, you graduate and everything? Or were you just saying, I'm going to the NFL, I don't have to study? Well, I took my schoolwork somewhat serious. I didn't have to pass. But to your second point, yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking as well. Yeah. So you, you but you, you walked, you Graduate. Yeah, yeah, I graduated. Yeah, With yeah. a degree in? <clears throat> Bachelor of Science in Labor Studies. So the cool thing about, the best thing in the world about playing D1 football, that mm -hmm. in my mind, you got your education paid for. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. no, you didn't? No, I said, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I was going to say, okay, did they change the rules? No. Nah. Because that right there puts you ahead in life. And True, at yeah. the time, you don't see it. Because you didn't get your dream of going into the NFL, even the CFL. Mm -hmm. But you understand, you got a four-year degree yeah. from a top university for free. Yeah. Yeah, but see, now they got NIL money. <laughs> Name, image, and likeness. Uh, yeah. yeah. These, guys, why, these guys are making money hand over fist. Yeah, that's why I said, okay. I feel like it's a lot of perks to that scholarship. <laughs> yeah. That, yo, yeah. I mean, listen, <laughs> I, I, I get gas, grass, or ass, nothing's yeah. for free. Yeah. I get that. I understand that. But that is... So you didn't fail. Oh, no. You no, didn't no, no. fail. You got an education. Because, listen, when I came out of school, I was, after my master's degrees, I was so far in debt that, it, you know, I had this huge hole to climb out of. Yeah. And I always say that if you can get out of college without debt, you're already ahead of the game. You already got a leg up. Praise God. Yeah. 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 Now, one thing I want to ask you before we move on from this nonsense football stuff <laughs> You know, everybody knows about the Eric LeGrand incident. Mm -hmm. And I always, uh, obviously it affected the players he played with emotionally, mm -hmm. but I always wondered what impact did that have on the program itself? Yeah. Um, I would just say the way we structured practice. Because, um, yeah, he, he was a bit before my time. But um, that injury definitely left an impact as far as, like, structure and layout. Because we would always kind of mention him when it came to like camp and just like talk and safety and stuff like that. And he was around the program a lot still mm -hmm. also, right? Yeah. Cause I yeah. know he's a broadcaster and, and all that. Yeah. He's always in the building. Yeah. yeah. We, 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 we actually were going to have him on the show, believe it or not. You should. Well, we, we got 
there's some there's some logistics, logistics. Right? logistical <laughs> problems. Without being cruel, I mean, you don't know about it. Yeah, there's a, we got stairs. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, and that chair he's got looks pretty damn heavy. So yeah. I'm carrying that stuff up. But, but he's, he's doing very well for himself. Oh, he just is. owned coffee, opened up coffee shops. He's got his own line of whiskey now or bourbon or something like that. Oh, he's doing I know real all well. that. Yeah, yeah. Yo, you wanted to, yeah, a grand coffee house in Rucker Stadium. And and Greg Schiano signed him as a free agent to the oh, the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, yeah, but then he's got to play with Brady. I don't know. No, this was long before Brady. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so the, the, the ripple effects of that injury went down the line, not just D1 football. NFL, like uh, who was the the guy? Pop Warner football, little kids football. Everybody, you know, who's the guy that just had the? Uh, I can't. The name's escaping me. Oh, uh, the with the heart issue. Uh, the Damon um, Demar Hamlin. Demar Hamlin. Demar Hamlin. You know that? I'll tell you how far that ripple effect came. For my for for the program, who one of your old roommates, Billy Taylor, mm-hmm. came from, and that's where my kids play. All of a sudden, they're checking the defibrillator. So I go in the field house. And there's the box. There's no fucking defibrillator in it. Mm. So they're like, uh oh, now what? Like mm. we've been playing. I, you know, I'm, I'm not. I'd look at it. I say, okay, there's a defibrillator. It's no problem. There's no defibrillator in it. So the ripple effects of those industry injuries are always they, they, they bother me. You're gonna beat hey. someone over the head with the box. <laughs> That's when the precardial thumb comes in. <laughs> so your dream has ended. Now what? Film director, film that, but it did. Was it like? No, film? no, no. Oh man, yeah. there has to be many different things in between. Yeah. No, when you said um, this podcast kind of came about out of boredom. I do kind of understand where you're coming from because that's kind of where the the new uh, venture came from too. I was just like stable, and I'm like I'm so used to having something to do and keep my mind busy. And um, one day I was watching a bad. I've always loved movies though my whole life. I've always loved movies. But one day I was watching a bad movie, and this is just some like authentic, realistic stuff I'm about to say. But I'm watching a bad movie, and I'm just like, why can't I try to do this? I could, I could do better than I that. I could do better than this. And I turned it off, and I was just like, you know what? And yeah, you got a movie. And then you just started scribbling? So, were you, were you, first of all, how old were you at this time? 24. You're 24 yeah. years old, trying to make your way in this world. Most people will be like, I'll get a job and I'll try to do this on the side. Mm-hmm. And is was that you? Um, so, yeah, we kind of bring the, the lineage back a little bit. I did try to get a job and just say, hey, I want to just be stable. But I couldn't imagine just sitting at a desk. Nine to five job. I couldn't do pushing it. Pushing papers. Yeah. So I ended up getting fired. So a funny little story is uh, I was supposed to quit my job anyway to go back to the CFL. I actually got another opportunity with Edmonton. Uh, and there was some like, uh, mix-ups with like V's or something so I couldn't go end up getting fired right then I moved to Jersey I was gonna do, be a model everybody was like hey you should model so I'm like okay I love fashion so it was like no brand let's go um, couldn't get to New York I'm in Jersey City um, got a new job get fired from there I just could not do it I was like there ha- people that work remote right I'm like they have to be like faking this there's no way they're at home working hard but Remote yeah. work is by far the hardest work. Because you have ever. to stay focused. And that's, like, if I had to walk past a, a faucet that's leaking mm-hmm. and I'm working remote, 
Guess mm-hmm. what? I'm not doing work. I'm going to fix the faucet. Yeah. I can't do it. It's hard. It's hard not to detour. So that's why I have to physically go to you a hear job. the ice cream truck go by, the bell's jingling, you run outside. <laughs> but I love my remote job now, yeah. though, because I get to divvy off and do what I really want to do. Right. You need the freedom. But you, have to. you build a lifestyle around that. For sure. Around that job. So when you first got you, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to do a movie script. I'm going to write this thing. I can do what these people do. Yeah, can do your first dip into your first toe into the water there. Mm-hmm. When did you hit the reality? Like, oh shit, this ain't that easy. First time trying to write because, um, yeah, writing a script you have to have like different characters. So if you're the sole writer, you have to literally be thinking in different mind frames at the same time. Put your people in different. Sh- put yourself in people's different, shoes. Yeah, yeah positions absolutely. at the same time to have them bounce off. Because a lot of people have co-writers, so it'll be two people. But um, that was a big wake up call. But it was fun though. Okay. And then how did you how did you immerse yourself in the learning process of it, of writing uh, just in just writing a, a screenplay? Yeah, writing. Well, it was more so I had to just have that moment happen a couple times, and then it was like, okay, let me just really just try to squeeze, and it just got better and better and better, just yeah, over well, time. Well, your first draft, mm-hmm. how much? The first draft surprisingly wasn't that bad. Really, actually, yeah, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> it wasn't. It was like more formatting issues. But storyline and plot, because I, I just know movies, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. But then it's trying to get it in the right hands, right? Yeah. That's yeah. where the difficulties come in. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, I think I told you earlier, I'm actually meeting with a producer tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, the right hands for me right now. So yeah. if you need some muscle, you want us to rough them up a little bit. <laughs> we, we know people. We know yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so listen, you're going to give Damon this deal. <laughs> well, you know, you, you had a big Rutgers graduate that was a big actor, too. James Gandolfini. That's right. But he's not around yeah, anymore. Yeah. You can't can't lean on him. Yeah. Just don't go that don't go that direction. Have a heart attack at fifty. It's just not a, it's not a good look, especially in Italy. But um, how many times did you have to put this in front of people? Well, there, there, let me back up a second because you got this this beautiful script written, and I guess you got to be careful. It's your intellectual property. Yeah. So do you when you hand it off to people, do you make them sign an NDA or something like that? Yeah. So I got a copywritten. Oh, you did? Yeah. That's smart. Yeah. See? Someone take your idea and run with it. I went to a networking event in New York City, and this Italian guy actually told me, he was like, yeah, that's like first thing, get a copywritten. So, yeah. Well, there's there's several different ways. I mean, you can do the official copyright, but I think these days intellectual property falls under if they can prove that it was your idea. Mm -hmm. You know, even back, back in the day, they proved that movie ideas were thought up in another way and people mm-hmm. sued and got rights and stuff like that. Yeah. Cause that happened to Matt Cox. Yeah. So one of our friends, he's, he's a criminal. <laughs> um, he oh. calls himself a criminal. He was actually number one on FBI's most wanted list, but he started writing when he was in prison. Yeah. And, uh, what was the movie? War dogs. Mm-hmm. So Matt Cox wrote war dogs while he was in prison. And that's your friend. That's the uh, <laughs> friends, a loose term associate. He's the only guy, he's the only criminal who I know, and we know a lot of them. He's the only criminal that I know that I'm genuinely afraid of. And Matt is like a slightly taller than a little person. I mean, he's a little guy, very unassuming, very meek. That's exactly what I was going to say, unassuming. He's very meek, but he will rob you blind and have you thank him for it because he's a financial genius. He just sort of figures stuff oh, out. Finances, okay. Yeah, so I had he, a totally different picture in my mind. No, no, he's not <laughs> a thug. Mortgage. He, okay, okay, he's not a thug, but he defrauded. They, they, 
don't even know how much money he he stole, but it, they think it's upwards of fifty million mm. from yeah. from the Into mortgage it. business. And then when, when then when he went on the run, he developed a way to make fake IDs and fake identities, and then he would call the people looking for him, the the FBI looking for him, mm. and say, "You're not gonna, you never can." Just taunt, taunting. Them. Have you seen Catch Me If You Can? Of course, yeah. that same like that, same right? uh, J- James Ab- Abagnale. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, very very similar, yeah, very funny. very similar. And you know he was on episodes of Locked Up or not Locked Up Abroad. Uh, what was it? The, the, one of those criminal shows on TV. But he's an interesting guy. But he's the only criminal that I know that I'm genuinely afraid of because I walked out of his house. We did we did his show. Him and I walked out of his house. And I checked my wallet. <laughs> Listen, we've we've had mafia hitmen in here, and I feel more comfortable around them than Matt Cox. Hundred percent, hundred percent, because I could see those guys coming a mile away. This guy you'll never see coming. Mm. Like he went while he was on the run too. He went to traffic school. He flew out of the country. Like he did. It's his mm. his life's insane. Yeah. But you know, it's it's that ability to pivot and turn when necessary that I think is is your gift. You know, you had this this very broad dream, and it seemed like a reality. Like it's not like you were far fetched. You were not that little league. You're not that little league kid who hit, hits his first home runs. I'm going to play major league baseball. Yeah. You know, you were playing at a top level, mm-hmm. and now you're left out in the cold, and you just developed this new thing. And it's it seems to have come in come into some sort of passion for you. Oh, it is because I hear you talking about it. And I hear you talking about it with such zest and verve. It's 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 actually kind of I think I'm gonna write a script tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing to be able to like cross over and kinda cause I be telling people now, like football, like that used to be my world for sure, but like film now, that is like the new football. Definitely. Well we were saying that before. That's the athlete in you. That's the no quit attitude. Yeah. You know, and in, in, exactly, in athletics yeah. you can't you can't quit. Yeah. You know, now you just put your, your passion to something different. Mm-hmm. And now, now you run. Now you're running with that ball. Exactly. Well, that's a, the the funny thing. We see it a lot in in high level athletes, especially in college athletes. <clears throat> so if you get to the college level in athletics, you're coachable. Mm-hmm. Okay. You you will learn. You're a sponge. You know how to take direction. Yeah. And that usually carries on into the business world. So did you have any mentors trying to help you along? Trying to, or did you? Were you just all on your own with this right here? Yeah. With the with the film. Making. The creative space is not really as collaborative as you think, um, but it's it makes sense though because it's such a delicate form of art. Seriously, so no, I, I mean I have a few that help, but there's always to like a certain extent. But you know, me going through this process, I definitely understand that notion because it's so like what I create. I kind of really want to be really particular with like who's a part of that, if that makes sense. So no, but. They have to share your creative vision in some in some manner. The people involved with yeah. my with my creative vision, yeah, yeah. But from the jump, I will say, YouTube <clears throat> and books, like no other. The uni- God, you you guys are so lucky with this damn YouTube. Seriously, man. we like people. I don't think people would take advantage. Like it's literally like a teacher. Seriously, you you look up anything, anything. You know how to tie a shoe, mm-hmm. something as basic as that. There's five million videos, yeah, on how to tie a shoe for sure. We and, had to learn. Yeah, <laughs> you had to go to the library and read a book about it. And now you can actually watch a video, mm-hmm. but you can absorb that information a little bit more, and you can see it. You can see it. Yeah, yeah. that's why the sneakers I buy now don't have laces. You know, so they just pull on because I never 
didn't have YouTube to learn how to tie a shoe. So I have, Damon, I'm going to give you a little window into your future. Okay. So as you start approaching 50, because I'm almost 50 and he's over 50. All right. Um, be 57 tomorrow. Happy birthday. Okay, yeah, happy, happy happy birthday. This the, You will be 57 by the time yeah, this airs. I'll be 57 in a month by the time this airs. <laughs> One of the things that teaches you you're getting older, you cease buying shoes with shoelaces. Say it one time. Please. You cease buying shoes with shoelaces. Uh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There you go. There you go. I'm still holding on because my 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 Adidas shells have uh, have shoelaces, yeah. so I'm I'm run DMC all the way. So, um, but what those people that that helped you out, and that's why I don't understand that. That's mm-hmm. what I do love about the podcasting world, mm-hmm. as opposed to your industry, yeah. because there's only so much space in your industry. Mm-hmm. Where the podcasting world, there's so much room for everybody, everybody. to collaborate. Yeah. And, you know, you go on my show, I'll go on your show, and we'll cross-promote each other. Yeah. And that doesn't seem to happen in that entertainment industry. No, 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 no. It's it's really hard, and uh, there's a lot of people that want to stay there forever, too, you know? So that's tough. Well, that's that you have one hit movie, and then what's, yeah. what's next? Sophomore Curse. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. So now, when, when, when you're writing like a screen pro- play, that's your baby, right? Mm-hmm. Is it almost like a micromanaging thing where you don't want anybody to put their hands in or you just want to do it yourself and then there comes a time when you ask for help for someone? Yeah. I, how do I say this? And would you do it that way? <laughs> so I just feel comfortable writing it myself. I really believe like it's a gift of mine. Um, just understanding point of views and dialogue, I really do. So I, I wouldn't, yeah, I just don't want anybody else to. Now, let's say you you create a success out of this passion of yours. Right. Would you do it the same way? Would you, as... would you Would you take on somebody younger in your position and try to mentor them? Do you think that's the right way to do things where these other people are like, yeah, I'll give you some pointers, kid, but I'm going to leave you alone? Yeah, I definitely would. But, I mean, like I said, I understand because it's so competitive. And if, like, there's some people where they have a couple ideas as far as they have a couple movie ideas. So they're riding on these two. So anybody that is like on the way up, they're like, oh, I don't want you to mess up because I only got two ideas. But I, I truly believe like this is a gift of mine. So like I'm not afraid of any competition. Like I will definitely help for sure. Yeah. Because, now, now when you do write that number one movie, right? Yeah. You're going to remember the Suffering Podcast? <laughs> Hopefully y'all got a little bigger studio by then. We can hop on it. Yeah, for sure. With, with your crew. <laughs> with, with, yes. with your, mm-hmm. no, wait, hold on. Yeah. With, you, with your entourage. Your entourage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you just you all you did was trade one limelight for another. Now, have you seen the ugliest ugly side of this business yet? I have, I have, yeah, already kind of, yeah. yeah. Without giving names or anything, yeah. can you can you give us a little bit of the ugliness? Yeah, how do I put this? So basically, I ran into this guy that wanted to kind of help me. Saw that I was aspiring, and I'm like, you know, right on. I need help for sure, and um. He was supposed to be shooting a movie in May, this May. I don't know if he is anymore. But um, he said he needed hands on deck. He was like, it'd be a good learning opportunity for me. Um, and everything happens for a reason. So I'm telling my mom, like, hey, I met this guy. I'm supposed to go over his house and start going over shot lists, things like that. And my mom's like, I don't really trust that. Like, it sounds so weird how it happened. She was like, send me a picture of him. So I like, he had followed me when I first met him. So I go to his Instagram and I'm seeing like obscene kind of stuff that you're not really supposed to be seeing. Um, so long story short, I call him. I'm like, hey man, like if I'm gonna be a part of this, I want to make sure we present ourselves in the right way. Because he's telling me how I want this to be like a Tyler Perry film. So I'm like, okay, that's fine, but we got to make sure we present ourselves a certain way. Um, and he was kind of like back and forth, like, hey, if you want to 
you know, succeed in this business is gonna. So next thing you know, you're directing porn movies. (laughs) You're done. Yeah, that's it. You're you're pigeonholed. Although you probably make a lot of money doing that, but that's not really a passion driven Mm -hmm. industry. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm assuming, well, it is kind of passion, but not the real passion that you're <laughs> not the passion that Damon is portraying. There's yeah. a different type of passion involved. Let's set that straight. <laughs> Are you able to, well, I, I, I want to guard against, I want to guard your property. I would, but I would love to know what, what it's about. Like you gave me a little window into it, but I'm not going to say, I'm not going to yeah. be the one to give it up. Yeah. What I can kind of say is as far as pot. You have a woman who is pure-hearted. You have a person who's pure-hearted, sweetheart, who just gets kind of pushed to the edge. And, you know, there's some people where they get pushed to the edge and they go to the other side or they get pushed to the edge and they, like, just curl up for life. So she takes the path of just seeing what else is out there, seeing what else is out there in the uh, in the world, right? And she loves it. She gets introduced to a world she never could imagine. Um, but in the end, it jeopardizes her fate. So she either has to choose whether she wants to Go on this new path forever, because it's a it's a fun path, or go back to the old self, which is more safe. This sounds like a Reese Witherspoon movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty deep. I, I can't wait. I can't no, wait. that's yeah. that's pretty cool. But that's that's kind of what your path is, right? Yeah, yeah. you could have curled up and I died. Curled up. Yeah, absolutely. You that's just true. changed <clears throat> the male to the female and. <laughs> Just whole new demographic that, yeah. that's in this, there. The star's name is Demona. I kept I kept the little synopsis uh, PG thirteen. It's, it's a bit R rated. So okay, yeah. all, right. <laughs> all right, sign me up. Right, so somebody's getting laid in there. <laughs> now, did, did you ever think about writing like a sports related movie? Since that's like your background. Yeah. So I plan on making a hundred films. Okay. Eventually, I'll get I'll get there. But I don't want to just start off like Damon Hayes, ex football star. He's coming out with a sports movie. Smart. It, it would yeah. be it would be cool. Don't get me wrong, but you may get. But you you, you get always pigeon, you get pigeonholed. You always draw on your experiences. Mm-hmm. You know you yeah. that's that's if you're if you were going to write about you know uh, astrophysics, you're not an astrophysicist, right? How the hell are you going to write on that? Mm-hmm. You know when we talk to people who have the uh, perfect life, you know it's hard for us to relate to them because we haven't had perfect lives. Me neither. Yeah, nobody nobody has. Mm-hmm. Nobody has. Now, if, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Where would you like to see this? If you had a crystal ball and you had a, you had three wishes, where where do you want this? Is this an Oscar worthy film, or is this is this a just a, a labor of love? Because well, actually, Oscar don't don't even think about Cannes Film Festival. Actually, make a movie that nobody watches, and then it'll win an Oscar. That's pretty <laughs> much that's pretty much it. But where where would you like to see it? received how, how would i put this anything i do i want it to be the best so first off i want to be the best short film of should probably come out like 2024 so if we do that it'll go where it needs to go i feel like but it's more so just in the work like i'm really uh passionate about it i'm building a really good team um, and the store is there now we just gotta bring the marketing and all that kind of stuff but yeah as long as it's the best of that year it'll go where it needs to go for sure the one thing you have working for you is the many outlets of distribution. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be you got to get picked up by one of the studios. Yeah. But now you have Hulu, Netflix, yeah. Amazon, and you have all these different streams of success. Yeah. I mean, the the movies that these these places they're they're getting top A level stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's kind of it's it's bittersweet for a person that loves going to the movies. I just I used to love. 
a new movie coming out and going to the movies, but it's dying out. But it's a good thing, though, for us because we get more from the streaming. I went to the movies last week for the first time in probably 20 years. I, See, I first do, time in 20 years. Part of problem. Right? I do disagree. <laughs> with, yeah. I, agree, I disagree with you in one respect. Okay. So I just, I took my kids to go see, I hadn't been in the movies. I'll tell you right now, I went to go see, like the day after my shooting, I went to go see a Seth Rogen movie and I hadn't been back to the movies after that. The first movie I went back to see was Maverick with my kids. Okay. And then I realized, I'm like, oh yeah, this, I used to love going to the movie theaters because it's an experience. And while people are sitting home and Netflix and chilling, Mm -hmm. I do believe people will get reintroduced to the theater because there is literally nothing like sitting in a movie theater. Can I ask how? How do you think they'll get there? I just think people are going to get tired of being trapped inside their houses. I really do. Mm. But when there's something good, and now the movies that that, that people go out and see, there's a draw to them. They're like, so you've watched movies your whole life, and there's movies you were like, I want to see that in a movie theater. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's where I think where every movie or film director, movie maker, screenwriter, that's where they want to see their, they want to see, they want to have that movie where people have to go see it in a theater. Yeah, it's hard. You know why? We're competing with technology and it just keeps advancing, keeps making it easier and easier. And the thing is too, the movies are so expensive these days too. And that too. So again, I'm going to, so I, the tickets for Maverick were $14 a piece. Do you know what I paid for to go see Return of the Jedi in the movie theater? I can remember it. Five twenty five. Where was this? This was nineteen eighty three. Oh, okay, okay. Return of the Jedi. This was oh. <laughs> Return of the Jedi. This is nineteen eighty three. This is like a couple weeks ago. <laughs> no, no. This is this is nineteen eighty three. Oh, yeah. So five dollars and twenty five cents to go see Return of the Jedi in nineteen eighty three. You used to be able to take a girl back when we were in '83. We we're like in our dating days. We were in high school. You know, you could take a girl to movies for ten dollars. Bro, I was I was nine. <laughs> I was a junior and senior in high school in '83. <laughs> I was nine. <clears throat> but so, if you look at inflation, fourteen dollars versus five twenty-five, it's not all that bad. Fifteen fifty per ticket for the movie I went to see. Yeah. Oh, you went to one of those special ones with the recliners. Oh, with the reclining seats. Popcorn? Yeah, popcorn. Yeah, forget it. Well, forget about popcorn. Yeah. Forget, popcorn. <laughs> forget about it. You know, I, I, I suffered from popcorn overload for three days after that movie. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You go to the movie theaters with cargo pants on. Always. Do you guess? No, everybody. You got to go to the movies like with a bulky jacket. I don't care if it's 90 degrees outside. You got to have a bulky jacket and, and cargo pants and That's slide in the candy. And a cheeseburger in one pocket. Exactly. And a couple of oh, beers in my other. <laughs> exactly. I love movie theater popcorn. Yeah, it, oh, is, it is. It, so, but, uh, I, and I can't stop eating it. Yeah. But it's That's an experience. I, said, I had to overload. Yeah. So you you're, you're fight for that experience. I hope. I hope. I hope you're right. And and if your vision is what you're telling me, your vision, because you gave me a little bit more of a in-depth breakdown. Yeah. If your if your movie is one of those movies where people, you know what, I got to go see that. Every movie I want people to, I can't watch this at home. Yeah, it's gonna be a slow like drive to it though, like open a weekend. I remember when Get Out came out, like it took the first kind of two days for people to say, "All right, let's go." So that's <laughs> one. And I still think the thing that killed movies was that Batman. What was it the uh, the the Batman movie where the kids shot up the theater. Oh, yeah. The, uh, that, in, that did. It, t- it t- put a hurt on the movie. one theater. in Colorado. There's a couple of them. It was uh, Aurora. Aurora, Colorado. Aurora. It was uh, the Joker one. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I heard about it. Oh, yeah. He, he went into the movie theater and just started shooting. Um, But you'll get there. You'll get there with patience. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, you get that one foot in the door and you get those steps going in there. Now, compared to your passion for football, 
your passion to filmmaking, which one you think is heavier? If you had to compare apples to apples. Heavier, what do you mean by that? Sorry. What, which, which is a stronger passion in your oh. life right now? Well, yeah. not right now, because right, obviously right now yeah. it's filmmaking, but yeah. if you had to look back at the sophomore Damon Hayes mm -hmm. versus where you are now, are they on level playing fields or is one heavier than the other? Yeah, filmmaking, heavier. And I would say that because I'm more mature now. I know myself now. I know why certain things happen. And I will say this, like football, I was a pretty good player, but I got there more so like hard work. You know, I was blessed being tall, stuff like that. But the filmmaking side, a lot of that stuff is just natural. So Because you could make your own way now in filmmaking. You know, which like you said, you were you were blessed to be tall. Yeah, exactly. I was I was cursed to be short. So, you know, I had to I had to get a different field than football. But you know, now you could you could be five foot two and be a filmmaker. You know, it doesn't matter about your stature or yeah. it's all upstairs now. Even playing field, yeah. But you were humbled. Oh yeah, definitely. You were humbled, but out of that humbleness came what it sounds like is what you were meant to do. Yeah, and I, and I know how to go about this new journey with the humbleness for sure, because I wasn't the most humble when I was at Rutgers. So now meeting people, you know, I know how to conduct myself at all times. So it's always like a silver lining for sure. If you had to see somebody in your position, so like say you went back and spoke at Rutgers when you're Mr. Big Shot. You know, mm -hmm. when you're the Harvey Weinstein, no, I shouldn't say Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> 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 okay. If you were to go back and speak to football players at Rutgers, mm -hmm. what do you think some advice is that you would give them? Um, if this is what you want to do, give it your all. If you, you know, are kind of hesitant, explore that, see, see what else is, because football is going to take a lot out of your life. It really did. I had to start completely over as far as like building up a vernacular other than just the football players I was with, like things like that. So if you're going to play college football, there's a lot of people that are in your position that they want to go to the NFL. Not saying you have to, but if you want to go to the NFL, give it your all. If not, you know, explore that. What do you think about having a plan B while you're playing college ball? Is I'm it, not a, I'm not a believer. Not a believer. I'm not. No. I like I, that. I truly, because um, my story, I, I never, I always went at it with the, this is my plan A. And literally up until draft night, you know, it was. So yeah, I'm not a believer of it. That's a good question. I'm glad you brought that up. Plan, plan B is a plan B is a sure recipe for failure. Yeah, it just it just it's just basically saying I'm not going to give 100 percent plan A. All right, was Isaiah Pacheco that good when he was in college? It was. Was he? I it saw was. him play a couple games in college. He was he was he's a little younger than you, though, right? Yeah, a couple yeah. years. Yeah, but he always no, he was real he's, good. he's killing it now. Yeah, he really is. So, so Damon, we're coming to the end of this thing. And already, oh yeah, I told you five minutes. They're gonna they're gonna be done. And you even forgot the mic was in front of you after a little while. There's a question that I always that I always end with. You've gone through different levels of suffering from not reaching your initial dream to finding your new one and finding the pains involved in there. But there's a lesson in everything. What do you think all this suffering has taught you? Oh. And it, it taught me so many things. Um, trust your process. Trust your journey. You know, as long as you're going about it with the mind frame of, I know whatever situation happens is preparing me for something greater. As long as you're viewing it like that, don't even stress. Like, it's, it's going to get greater later, as they say. Yeah. Get greater later. I like that. Get greater later. later. <laughs> I never said that out loud. It's kind of cool to say. Get greater later. Get greater later. And where can our audience find you? You can find me on Instagram, underscore 22 forever. And it's underscore 22 
F O R E V A. We'll put links. We'll put yeah. links in our show notes. Is there a place they can go for? I, I'm sure you're trying to raise funds. Yeah, yeah. So you can go ahead and start. Um, you'll start seeing some marketing and stuff for my film. Um, when it knocks, we're gonna be shooting later this year, late fall, probably late October. And um, on my Instagram, that's when we'll start driving traffic out for uh, marketing. Well, we're certainly going to share everything we can and make this as successful as I know it can be. I appreciate you it. You plan on shooting around here? Um, yeah, some here, some New York, probably. Let us know. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to come out to a movie set. Yeah, yeah last time. Big shot. Have you on set for a day. Yeah, that'll be nice. You need some extras, you know. Mm. No, that's, that's right. <laughs> I was an extra in one movie when I was a kid. It was the movie that your yeah, father <laughs> screwed up. It was a movie, it was, so it was a movie called Wise Guys. <laughs> Uh, with Danny DeVito and Joe Piscopo. They shot some of it in Newark, and then they shot... I'm an Atlantic <laughs> City kid. So they shot some of it in Atlantic City. And it was a house in Ventnor, right next door to Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's there's two fishermen on a beach, a, a father and his little kid. I'm a little kid. But, yeah. Oh, he's, like, he's, like, he's, like, he's like, I'm a little kid. <laughs> I'm a little kid. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, no. No, it really wasn't. So you can't even see my face. You wouldn't recognize me. You wouldn't look twice yeah, at me. Thank God they didn't see your face. But that same, but incidentally, and this is this is what binds us together. His father took his brother. And me. And yeah. were you there too? Yeah. yeah. And they walked right through that movie set when they were filming in Newark. Same movie. Mm. Same movie. And here we are. My father knew one of the producers and we, my, the guy says, hey, why don't you bring your kids down? You know, come in. We're filming a movie in Newark. We walked right onto the set. All you hear is cut, cut. Yeah. Oh, you're fucking wrong. <laughs> the guy goes, yeah, you just cost us 20 grand. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny how, you know, you, you you come in contact with this is a small world. Small it really world, is a yeah, small world. Cool. Damon, thank you so much for coming in today. I really do appreciate this. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a great story, man. That's uh, all the best. And I when the movie, but listen, I, I could just tell by your attitude, I think you're gonna, you're definitely going to make it. Appreciate you got it, it there. Thanks. When the movie premieres, we'll invite you back. We'll do all the promo that we can for it because I want to see this thing successful. Yeah, I appreciate it. Can't wait to come back. All right. And that's going to do it for this episode of The Suffering Podcast, The Suffering of a Movie Director with Damon Hayes. And as always, let's think about all the stuff that we learned. There's a fine line between ego and confidence. The loss of a dream can create a passion. Plan B is a sure recipe for failure. Coachable athletes become successful adults. Humility can open doors. But most importantly, trust your process. Don't forget, you can always listen before you watch. All of our episodes air on Sunday at actually 4 a.m. If you want a nice free digital, not a free, I almost said free, digital business card, go to popple.com, put in TSP20 for a 20% discount. Don't forget to follow us on all social media, TikTok, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Follow Mike at Mike underscore Filets. Follow me at Real Kevin Donaldson. And, of course, follow the Suffering Podcast. And we will see you hey, on the Kev, next when, when they're, when they're oh. following us on YouTube, though, comment. Yes, comment. Because we do though. read them. We I read, read every all single the one. comments. Good, bad, indifferent. We read every one of them. And don't forget to hit the bell to get notified of all our new content. We're, we got five pieces of new content on YouTube every week. Please subscribe. We're on the race to 10,000. And we're going to see you on the next episode.